to Friends with Cinefits after our long hiatus. Um, I am your host, Alex McAllister, and joined with me in the first time as role of co-host is Kane Dennis. Kane, say hello. Hello, hello, hello. My name's Kane Dennis. I'm from Evansville, Indiana. I've loved film ever since I was a kid. And I'm very happy to be joining you as co-host now. I've enjoyed my two previous appearances on the podcast, so excited to take on this role and see what we can do moving forward. Yeah, I am too. Everyone, all the feedback I've heard was that our two episodes, which listeners, if you don't recognize the soothing voice, he was on our Midsummer and Hereditary episodes. Um, but everyone said we had great chemistry. And I was kind of wanting to change it up, and that's what we're doing. So we got you in here as a co-host, and now we're going to be focusing more on just, like, overall topics. And then we'll we'll dive down into one movie just to make it easier. Um, so I guess with that being said, do you want to tease what at least the topic we're covering? And then um, I just want to ask you... Outside of this topic, what other movies you have been watching? Yeah, we are today talking about Twin Peaks. Yep. But not just Twin Peaks. We're going to talk a little bit more about David Lynch's wider, dis- uh, not discography. <laughs> he has a discography, but filmography <laughs> yeah. in general, too. And just all the films he's made through the years and how they kind of relate to one another. And but Yeah, um, I'm very excited for it. David Lynch is a very... I think polarizing director. Um, anytime I've talked to my friends and been talking about, like, hey, they ask, hey, what are you going to do next? I'm like, oh, we're just going to do stuff about David Lynch. Oh, what movies did he do? And I'll start naming them off, and everyone's just like, no, never heard of him. And so yep. I'm excited to do a deep dive into him. He's one of my favorite directors, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But first, is there anything recently in the past couple of weeks that you've been watching that you just want to share talk about yes i saw minari i got <sighs> to see it in the theater and it was it was just absolutely wonderful I, I i really want to watch it it's a simple movie but it's very heartwarming and steven yun is amazing in it i've been mm-hmm. a fan of his ever since the walking dead and he just does a great job um but on the tv front i saw wandavision i thought it was very good you did finally watch it? Yep, awesome. I finished awesome. it yesterday, maybe two days ago. Cool. I really enjoyed it. I don't want to give too much away. I feel yeah. like it. it's not as good at the end as it is at the beginning. I, I really enjoyed similarly. the TV formats they Same. were exploring. And once that kind of got taken away, my enjoyment kind of went away just a little bit. But I still really enjoyed seeing how the story closed out. I definitely... My main issue with it... Um, I guess spoilers, not really, because I'm not going to say anyone's name or anything. But the main, like, government bad guy, um, I just didn't understand his character. Like, why, what his motivations were. Like, he was trying to create something, but why does that mean he has to ruin other things? I don't know. Exactly. Um, I felt the same way. He was just unnecessary. Exactly. Um, But, you know... Maybe there's a deeper meaning behind that. Maybe they'll do another season and something will happen. I don't know. But that was kind of the disappointing part. But, like, it's very fun. They're very easy episodes to watch. So if you guys very are Very quick. Yeah. If any of the listeners are into Marvel, 
and haven't checked it out, then I give it a recommendation. I definitely do too. I think it's a good way for them to start their new TV offerings on Disney Plus. Exactly. Um, But also on the TV side of things, I just recently watched and finished Freaks and Geeks. Never seen it. It quickly became my favorite comedy series, so it is very much worth checking out, and it makes me sad that it didn't go longer than the one season that it got. Okay, that will make me more likely to watch it, because if it's over four seasons, I normally just say, screw it, I don't want to invest all the time into it. It's like 18 episodes total. That's not bad. And they are like 45 minutes to an hour each, Mm -hmm. but they fly by. Nice. Um... So, I'm going to say some of the stuff I've been watching. One, I've been wanting to talk to you about, but I think we will do a podcast episode on the writer in the future or something. But I watched Adaptation um, with Nicolas Cage and Meryl Streep, and I freaking loved it. Have you seen it? I have not seen Adaptation, Okay, but I love Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, um, we'll definitely have to do an episode on him and get deeper into all his weird movies. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the only movie he's written that I've not seen. It's really good. I saw it. Um, we have a place here in Colorado Springs called Entertain Mart. Um, okay. And they had like a crisp, um, it's not Shout Factory, but it's Shout Select. Yeah. Um, it's like a really nice Blu-ray of it, and so I saw it and was like, "Oh my god, I have to get this." It was pretty expensive, but I couldn't. I actually, I actually have it too. It's got the reversible <laughs> cover where you got the uh, original poster you can have, like with Nicolas Cage's head as the flower pot. Yeah, yeah, yep. It's an um, awesome set. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, that one was really good, and then also recently, I. Just watched the Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, and they're a lot of fun. I know. Oh, the, I love those. Yeah, I know the third one gets a bad rep, but if you just don't focus too hard on what's going on and just sit back and enjoy it for entertainment, it's a it's a fun ride. Yeah, those are movies you can't let yourself pick apart. You got to just enjoy them. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, I've watched plenty more movies than that, but those are two that I wanted to bring up. Yeah, Minari is the main one that sticks in my mind for me. If Mm -hmm. you have a chance or if a theater near you is showing it, then it's definitely worth watching. Yeah. Um, And you wrote a review for it, correct? Yes. Yeah. Where can the people find that? They can find that at shotreverseshotfilm.com. Or link down in the show notes. Yes. There we go. Okay. So, do you want to just dive right into it and start talking about david lynch let's dive in that's the best way to do it with david lynch you kind of just got to let the weirdness wash over you exactly so i want to ask you what was the first david lynch movie you saw the first david lynch movie i saw was actually fire walk with me really the first thing i saw from him was twin peaks that must have been um, exciting absolutely i feel like i kind of jumped to maybe the best of his material first (laughs) but it got me into him more hardcore so Mm -hmm. yeah i watched twin peaks it was shortly after the return had started coming out yeah i think it may have been finished at the time that i actually started watching it but i heard nothing but just amazing praise about the return and i was like oh that seems cool first two seasons are on netflix i'll watch that Mm -hmm. watch the first season in a day (laughs) i couldn't stop watching it it's so good 
I never, like, I'd heard of Twin Peaks, but I had no interest in watching it until I was home in December and me and you went out to lunch and to go watch Promising Young Woman, which everybody check that movie out because it's awesome. Um, and yeah, you were talking up Twin Peaks. So as soon as I flew back to Colorado, I was like, I got a new show to watch. And it starts out like the first episode of Twin Peaks. I'm like, I don't really know what's going on here. And then, like, the first three episodes are just so good and so incredible and weird. And it just hooked me instantly. And I fell into a pit of weirdness. And I loved every second of it. Yeah, Twin Peaks, like, they're. It's kind of odd that the show is just titled after the town that a lot of it takes place in. Yeah. But it should be, because the town is as much a character as anybody in the show is. It is mm-hmm. just this weird little small town in Washington with all these weird characters that you get to meet. <laughs> it's just wonderful. I love it. Exactly. So we will get into those weird characters, but first, I'm gonna. we can talk about my first David Lynch movie, which was his first movie, which was Eraserhead. I think Eraserhead is a lot of people's first David Lynch movie. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say it. It turned me off of him for a while to begin with. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. Um, I remember I I watched it and I was just like, I don't know what this was about. Like it just ended and I was like, it's over. Okay. And so I, I looked yeah. up like a review of it and it was like, there's a woman trapped in a radiator that's speaking to a guy. <laughs> I was like, none of this happened in this movie. <laughs> so I think I need to rewatch it. But, yeah, what did you think of Eraserhead? I love Eraserhead. But keep in mind, I already had the context of Twin Peaks before seeing it, so I knew it was going to be some weird shit. Yeah, I'd heard people talk about it. But I I think it's a really interesting film because it, um, he calls it his most spiritual movie. And I think it's about his fear of becoming a parent. I didn't catch that at all. But... I don't remember, I can't remember a single character, I can't remember a storyline in it. Because there's, um, it, Henry is the main guy, mm-hmm. and there's the Eraserhead baby that everybody <laughs> sees and has made memes of and stuff that I've seen, and it's like, that baby is like this monster, basically, and it just destroys his life having to take care of it. I didn't catch any of that, so now I'm excited to rewatch it. I'm this is already working out incredibly. Yeah. Um, so I'll move on to his next one. His next movie. In 1980, he did The Elephant Man. This one I also wasn't a huge fan of. I think it's a really good movie, but it's not really my style. It just made me really sad because it's just people like picking on a dude for being different. Yeah. And I don't, that just upsets me. Yeah. It's a terribly sad movie. And to, yeah. And to know that it's based on a true story as well. And a true story that does not by any means have a happy ending mm. makes it even worse. Exactly. I, but I think that that movie was really kind of his start. He, he kind of views all of his characters through a lens of compassion, even in things mm. that are nightmarish and horrible. Things aren't I happening to people just because they need to happen to them. Mm-hmm. I think that even in the most surreal moments of his movies, and Elephant Man is not very surreal. I mean, you compare it to a Mulholland Drive or Inland Empire, and it's it's basically just a recount of something that actually happened. Yeah. But he cares about his characters. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like he would have made the Elephant Man if he wasn't deeply affected by the story of John Merrick, who it's based off of. That's true. Um, speaking of his characters, like, I love how in a lot of his movies he'll use the same actors and actresses because, like, I just get so invested in their characters that as soon as I see them in something else, I'm just like, okay, like, this person killed it in that. I'm excited to see what they bring to the table, even if it's just, like, a short little section. <laughs> Me too. Even when I was watching Dune, and I was like, oh, my God, there's Big Ed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, I can't. I can't remember the the old dude that goes fishing in Twin Peaks. Oh, um, it's he finds the body. Harry in the first Dean. Episode. Oh no, it's uh, Jack Nance. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's also in Dude. Yep. And like he plays. He just kind of stands I, in the background. <laughs> yeah, like just seeing him there. Like I, I saw him. And I was like, wait a minute, is that that guy? And it was. And so I was just super excited. Um, speaking of Dune, that was his next movie. We've been texting about it. I I know Dune is looked at as like, oh, that movie sucks. And maybe from like the perspective of the books, it is. But I had so much fun watching it. It reminded me of Flash Gordon. I know Flash Gordon is much more um, magnificent, I guess. But I love Flash Gordon. Yeah, I liked Dune. I, I, I guess I went into it expecting it to be terrible. And I didn't think it was terrible. Yeah, I gotta say, I did enjoy it, but it's definitely mm-hmm. my least favorite of his movies. And I really, I didn't expect it not to be. You know, I went into yeah. it knowing that everybody kind of hates on it, and that I've not read the book, but knowing mm-hmm. that it's not really that great of an adaptation of the book, it's like people who just see the movie didn't like it, and people who read the books didn't like it either. So that's never a good combination. But there were things <laughs> I enjoyed true. about it. I think Kyle MacLachlan's great in it. Exactly. He's great in um, everything with Lynch. Exactly. Like the next film, Blue Velvet, which Kyle McLaughlin was also in. I watched that for the first time last week, and I loved it. It it might be my favorite movie of his. Um, Blue Velvet's incredible. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, I think I saw Roger Ebert gave it like one star. He was not a fan. Yeah, he hated it. He absolutely yeah. hated it. But I liked it. It it's I guess it's not as weird as some of his other stuff. Like it's still weird. There's that one scene where they go to a guy's house. Oh, um, that's my favorite part. And he's what? like singing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite part. He's singing Roy Orbison. Same. And then there's the weird shot where the people are on the background and they just disappear. Maybe I didn't like catch that's, that. What? Yeah. They're just standing there, and it's like, pop, they're gone, and then it's them in the car, driving away from the place. That's cool. And Dennis Hopper is just batshit crazy. Oh, He is yeah, so good in, in real that. life and in yeah, the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it was a perfect fit for him to be cast in that. Yeah, um, I did read that they used an actual human brain in that movie. Really? Wow. Um, so I watched the special features on it, because I got the Criterion, and... They asked the guy that was, like, part of the crew that cleaned it up. He's like, I don't know what they used as the brain in that movie. Um, spoiler alert, it's Dennis Hopper's brain. Um, but they were like, he, he said, I have no clue what they used, but it was so hard to clean and it stank up the room for days. And then they <laughs> asked someone else, they're like, where did you guys get that brain? Like, what was it? 
And the guy's like, I have a friend in Germany who is like a doctor and he was able to smuggle us a real human brain. And so we use that. And I was like, that's insane. I had never heard that. Yeah. They didn't even tell the guy cleaning it up that it's like a real human brain. That's I crazy. Funny. Yeah. I, I guess it'd be better not to know if you were that guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then his next movie in 1990 was Wild at Heart, which neither of us watched, but I really want to because it's Nick Cage. Yeah, I really, really wanted to watch it too. I just didn't have time. Maybe we can, I, maybe we can revisit that at some point in the future. I couldn't find it anywhere. Like, I tried every streaming service. I tried looking at, like, Apple to buy it. Couldn't find it. Um, I went to Entertain Mart. Couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah. And I couldn't even find it illegitimately to stream online. No yeah. Way. I didn't see it streaming anywhere. I think there's a Shout Factory. I think it's Shout Factory made a Blu-ray of it, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure how easy that would be to find. I guess I'll find out pretty soon because I really want to see it. Um, and around that same time is when he started making... Twin Peaks, and I guess we'll skip over that and Firewalk with me just to get through the rest of his material. Um, so in 1997, he did Lost Highway, which we haven't seen either. Um, for me, it was between Wild at Heart and Lost Highway and Inland Empire to watch. I wanted to watch Inland Empire, but it's super long. Um, and then... Wild at Heart has Nick Cage, so Lost Highway <laughs> just went down to the bottom for me. And next, in 1999, he worked with Disney and did The Straight Story, which I was so shocked whenever I clicked on it and it was like, oh, this is from Disney. like Or is like, watch it on Disney+. Plus. I said, there's no way that a David Lynch movie is on Disney because all of his movies are like rated R, there's sex, there's violence, just weird stuff. And then this is just the complete opposite. Yeah, no, so not, only, not only is it not rated R, it's rated G. And <laughs> I, I don't think there's any like content warnings on it at all. It is just no. a wholesome movie. It is. That you could like watch with your grandparents or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which does well, not apply the... to any of his other movies. Exactly. The whole time I was watching it, I was just like, I think my grandma would like this. Yeah. Um, so, Grandma, if you're listening, check out The Straight Story by David Lynch. I thought it was great. Um, if you kind of, the Richard Farnsworth who played Alvin Strait in it, if you look mm-hmm. at his real life story, he was actually terminally ill at the time of filming for the movie. So, it's kind of like a deep goodbye yeah. almost i did film not know form. that i'm glad i didn't know that while watching I, I i didn't know cried. until after or i would have been a lot more sad but um even though it is like an extremely accessible movie and it's made by disney it still has a lot of the david lynch isms in it you've got the yeah. weird small town america characters you've got loud noises buzzing in the background while people are talking his sound yep. design is one of the most important parts of his filmmaking. Yeah. And even um, in the straight story, there's just, there's engines buzzing, there's grain elevators moving in the background. Like, the sound in the bugs. background almost never stops. Mm-hmm. There's one scene, I can't remember what it is, but the sound does stop, and it's just silent, and it's just so, like, abrasive, because I, I don't, you're not used to that. Yeah. And so you're like, oh... Your ears perk up when there's no sound because you're like, I have to check this out now. 
Yeah, it makes um, the silence more impactful. Yeah. And I had something else to say, but I forgot. Look at me. I suck. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, we'll move on to 2001's Mulholland Drive, which was the second David Lynch movie I saw. And the first time I saw it, I had no clue what was going on, but I loved every second of it. And then I watched it last week with my roommates, and it finally all clicked with me. Um, I take it you know what it's about. I want to like yes. throw my idea off to you yes go ahead uh, i love mulholland drive it's probably my yeah. favorite of his movies it's so good um so when i was watching it the whole like first half is like a fever dream from her doing drugs and then she wakes up and like that end where um i can't remember the other girl's name but her and justin Thoreau are like getting married or whatever um that's real yep and naomi watts is just like using drugs and so um then she like hires that one dude to kill her or something um but that's pretty much it right yeah yeah you're right Ah. it's um there is actually a moment at the beginning of the movie where it's like a point of view shot and it's just someone's head going down onto a pillow and everything after that is a dream. Whoa. See, and that I stuff is so cool. I didn't cool. notice that the first time I watched it, and then I heard yeah. somebody say it. Um, I think it was Red Letter Media's review of it. They mentioned mm-hmm. that shot, and then after I watched it the second time, I was like, oh my god, that makes so much sense. Yeah. It's, Whenever it's spelled out it, for you, but when you're watching yeah. it, you don't. it doesn't click for you, and it's not exactly. supposed to. It's supposed to just kind of... It's like yeah. a stream of consciousness. Exactly. Um, yeah, that movie is. If anyone wants to check out David Lynch, I would definitely recommend Mulholland Drive, so you can like get a feel for him. Um, I guess that or Twin Peaks, because most people are TV show fans, anyways. But Mulholland Drive is incredible, and I was just so happy when it finally clicked in my brain that on that second watch, I was like, "Oh my god, I think this is it!" And I don't know. That's a feeling that. I don't know. You just can't describe like that feeling and like the pride of it, I guess. There's um, a couple things I want to talk about with Mulholland Drive. Is um, yeah. First off, I love the dance sequence at the beginning. Okay, yeah. It's just it's pretty weird. It's so weird. <laughs> and also, the, um, the older people, or grandparents, I assume, who are taking her to the airport, <laughs> they are so creepy. And the way they just <laughs> smile at each other. I forgot about that. And then when they appear later on in the movie... Yeah. Oh my god. That is I think that's probably the like scariest scene mm-hmm. in anything he's ever made. It's it's weird. Even more so than the Phantom and in Inland Empire and Bob and Twin Peaks. I think. I speaking of Inland Empire, I still haven't seen it. It's when you described it to me, I don't even remember what you said. Um but as soon as you did, I was like, yep, I have to watch that. And then it was three hours long, and I was just like, I just never got around to it. Um, so do you have anything you want to say about that? Please don't spoil it for me. Oh, I won't I won't say anything specific, spoilers-wise. Oh, yeah. But it is really interesting, because I think that it and Mulholland Drive are kind of two sides of the same coin. 
Okay. Like Mulholland Drive is like living in a dream, and Inland Empire is like descending into a nightmare. Oh, and they I love they the work sound of they that. work very very well together. <laughs> Inland Empire, it was filmed on like a shitty, um, like Sony digital camera or something at the time back <laughs> okay. in like two thousand six. Yep. It is probably the worst looking of any of his movies, but it fits the aesthetic of the movie so much. It's okay. really great. But it makes Damn. you feel like you're going crazy because it's three hours long and it is some of his most surreal stuff yeah. that makes the least sense of anything he's ever made. But I love <laughs> it. Man, I really want to watch that right now. Um, but yeah, since 2006, that's his most recent uh, feature film that he's made. Um I did want to ask you, have you seen any of his shorts? I have. Short um, okay, I've ones? seen the ones that were included on the Eraserhead criterion, which is like okay. the alphabet, six men getting sick six times. <laughs> I, I've seen that one. Um, I've also seen, I can't remember what it's called, um, Absurda. Okay. It premiered at, uh, at Cannes in 2007. It's very short. Mm. It's like a minute and 13 seconds long or something. I actually just watched that earlier today, and it's okay. it's really weird, but it's done so quick that it doesn't even really give you time to think about what just happened. <laughs> Great. Um, and I've also seen What Did Jack Do, which I is the too. one that's on Netflix with the talking capuchin monkey, and I I love it. It's <laughs> yeah. There's a musical number. He's in love exactly. with a chicken. David Lynch <laughs> is interrogating a talking monkey. It's some wild yeah. shit. It's literally like that. Is just a great. I don't remember how long it is. Like fifteen minutes, maybe it's not even that long. That is also just a perfect encapsulation of like this is what is going on in David Lynch's mind, and it's incredible. It's so weird. It's everything I like. I don't. I recommend What Did Jack Do? Also, I do too. The fact that Netflix gave him money to make that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, and he has a new series. Is that with Netflix? Do you know? It is. It's a Netflix okay. series. And it sounds like it's going to be another 18-part series. <sighs> and it's working under the title Unrecorded Night. I'm excited. I am too. I can't wait to hear more about it. I would love yeah. another season of Twin Peaks. Yes. Don't think we're ever going to get it. But if it had something to do with Twin Peaks, I would be so excited. Same. And then... One more thing I did want to speak on is, did you check out David Lynch, The Art Life, the documentary about him? I have not yet. Okay. I've been intending to for a long time, but I've not. So I've seen some I, outtakes from it. I believe like the, the scene where he's making quinoa, is that from that? Or is that from something else? I didn't finish it. Okay. Um, I got the gist of it, and then like halfway through, they talked about like him growing up, and like... I'll just say one of the stories. Um, he grew up in like the Northwest. So around the same area, Twin Peaks, that type of stuff. But um, he said like one night they heard like someone yelling. And so him and his brother like went outside to go check out what it was. And it was a naked bleeding lady laying out on the road. Wow. Um, and it was like a domestic dispute or something from the neighbors. And so he said that has like, that was something that for a long time, anytime he closed his eyes, he would see that. And I think that had a lot of influence on like why his movies are so violent or sexual. Um, Cause that he was pretty young when it happened. And 
I don't at that age that definitely makes an impression. I think it would have to too. I mean, honestly, mm. the theme of a lot of his movies can kind of be boiled down to a woman in trouble. Exactly. Um so, yeah, I check it out if you're interested. It just kind of talks about mostly his art um cuz he's he's super creative and unique and he just is painting whatever comes to mind and all of it looks super cool, so check it out. Yeah, he started a YouTube channel too. Have you seen that? Yeah. He does the daily weather reports and he just <laughs> yeah. picks a random number sometimes. It's it's yeah. really weird stuff. But it's more normal than I would expect from him. Same. But it's it's just enough of a depart from like just normal society that it's refreshing. Yeah, exactly. He just shows what he's working on. He's like, I'm building a workbench today. And it'll just be him yeah. with like a table saw cutting up some wood, exactly. <laughs> which is not what you usually see from him. Mm-hmm. So, um, one thing I do want to talk about real quick is all of, not all of, but mostly like Twin Peaks. Um, I guess we'll just like transfer, transfer, transform. I don't know. Send the conversation in that direction. Um, is every like emotion is dialed up to 10 and it's just it's super surreal and it reminds me of wwe wrestling which i'll talk about wrestling all all okay. i can because i freaking loved it growing up me but too. i've been like re re-watching like classic matches i think i've said this on other episodes um i've been re-watching classic matches and stuff and they are just so similar because like if someone just like gets slapped they just have like <laughs> such a huge expression on their face. And like, even whenever they're about to punch someone, sometimes they'll just like shake their fist real quick and then punch. Um, and that's just like stuff that David Lynch does in his movies. Like everyone is dialed up to 10. Whenever Dale Cooper drinks a cup of coffee, it's not just like, this is a good cup of coffee. This is the greatest cup of coffee I've ever had. And so I just wanted to shout out that, like similarity that i've noticed what do you think about it i i think that's a very fitting thing to say because it's true everyone's emotions like you said dialed up to 10 Mm -hmm. it's almost like it's completely exaggerated exactly what's kind of funny is throughout the original series first two seasons you've got the invitation to love um soap opera that is Mm -hmm. shown on the tv from time (laughs) to time and that's exaggerated but the mm-hmm. characters in that really aren't much different from the ones in the actual show. Yeah. I think from what I think I wrote down, Twin Peaks is a soap opera slash sci-fi mystery yeah. dialed up to 10. Exactly. Like, I It's insane. Um, I, I forgot all about the invitation to love thing. <laughs> Anytime it come on, I was just like, ah, this is cool. Yeah. What's going to happen now? Like an in-universe TV show. Yeah. Um, that's pretty funny. And did you hear, I guess before we keep diving deeper, I just got to this part in my notes. Did you hear or see the video where David Lynch talked about, uh, George Lucas wanting him for Star Wars Revenge of the Sith? Oh, it was for, uh, Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that's I it. have heard about that and he turned <laughs> yeah. it down. Yeah, he said he like went out, um to like skywalker ranch or whatever and 
I guess George Lucas is trying to wine and dine him, and he's just like giving George Lucas was saying, okay, this is how the Ewoks are going to be and like stuff like that. And David Lynch was like, you have the vision for it. Like you make this, I'm not going to make this. Yeah. You're telling me what to do. And then he's just like, yeah, I lost a lot of money doing that, but I bet George (laughs) Lucas is happy. Yeah, exactly. I, (laughs) I've always kind of thought about that because I'm a huge star Wars fan. I don't think star Wars would look the same today. If David Lynch would have directed that last movie. (laughs) I, I don't either. And after, honestly, I know you like Dune a lot, and I enjoyed it, but after seeing Dune, I'm glad that he didn't direct <laughs> Return of the Jedi. Uh, honestly, same. <laughs> because if it's not his vision, I don't think he puts the same amount of care into it. Yeah, I definitely can see that. Um, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was funny. Yeah, it's crazy to think that he was even considered for something that mainstream, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um Man, I wish he'd come out with more movies. So it's been since 2006 with Inland Empire. It, Upsetting. It is weird to think that's his newest movie because it. I didn't know about it when it came out, of course, because I was in like elementary yeah. school. But to just be like, man, he hasn't put out a movie since 2006. That's so long. I know. And really, 15 years now. He's only done The Return mm-hmm. aside from that. So it's not like he's been doing other things. Well, I hope he runs out of money and then has to work. Um, <laughs> yeah, we need more movies. For our enjoyment. Exactly. Could you imagine they announce tomorrow, like, hey, new David Lynch movie out at the end of the year. I'm freaking out. I'd be freaking out, too. I'm freaking yeah. out just knowing there's a new TV series coming, not even really knowing anything about it. And I do want to give this disclaimer. I know probably everybody doesn't love David Lynch, and... This will be your third episode on Friends with Cinefits, and every time we've done a movie, it's been something we both love. And we always talk um, about something weird. That is true. <laughs> um, but, so, yeah, if you don't like David Lynch, I definitely understand why people wouldn't. Um, whenever I watched Mulholland Drive, my sister is in town and my two roommates were here, and I was like, hey, we're going to watch this movie. It's weird. Like, if you're not feeling it, you don't have to, like, you don't have to stay to make me happy. Um, and they all sat through it and were like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I liked it. But I definitely can see why people don't like it. I don't think Twin Peaks makes entire sense. I know there's a YouTube video. It's like five hours long. And he's like, hey, this is all of Twin Peaks explained. I started watching it. And then I was like, I don't want to know. Like, that's the joy of watching it, is I have no clue what's going on. Kind of like Mulholland Drive. The first time I saw it, I had no clue what was going on. And so hopefully whenever I rewatch Twin Peaks, I'll start making some of the connections. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say, if you're listening to this and you're like, ah, David Lynch, I understand. Oh, I totally understand, too. I mean, it's there's absolutely nothing wrong with not liking him or his movies because they are really, really weird. And yeah. it, I mean, it's subjective, just like anything. It's not going to click for everybody. Mm-hmm. I I definitely wouldn't recommend his movies. Like, if someone's just like, hey, you got a good movie to recommend? It wouldn't be a David no. Lynch movie. And especially not one like Inland Empire or Eraserhead to start with. Yeah. If, if you know that somebody's more open to that kind of stuff, I'd tell them to start with, like, Twin Peaks, Blue Velvet, mm-hmm. but... 
Maybe not even Blue even, Velvet. <laughs> yeah, even like even Twin Peaks gets yeah super weird. Um, Only thing with Twin Peaks though is it being a TV show. You've kind of kind of gives you more time to be immersed in the world. Yeah, rather that's than true. just being a two hour long movie where everything is weird. Speaking of a two hour long movie where everything is weird, Fire Walk with Me. Yes, perfect <laughs> transition. Let's go. There we go. So. I don't want to, like, spoil the entire series. Like, if you plan on watching Twin Peaks, um, I, like, definitely wouldn't tune in. Um, But, like, there's going to be some spoilers because the whole movie or the whole TV show starts when they find a dead body of Laura Palmer. And then this movie is a prequel. So we're going to be talking about Laura Palmer and her demise and what happens. So I guess that's just my way of saying that if if you don't want to be spoiled for Twin Peaks, then I'd probably go watch it and come back. And even though it is a prequel, if you've not seen the first two seasons, do not watch Firewalk <laughs> with me first. Because yeah, it explicitly it spoils major details from the first mm-hmm. two seasons. Yeah. Um, so... I guess how do you how do you want to start this? I'll let you start. You go whichever direction you want. We can talk about um, characters. We can talk about the plot. Um, I got some cool production notes and stuff like that, but I'll leave it up to you. I'll start by talking about kind of the environment of Twin Peaks whenever Firewalk with Me was released. Great. So the first two seasons had come out, and it ended on a massive cliffhanger. And they weren't allowed to continue the show. ABC didn't want to keep running it. But they were able to get funding to do a movie. People did not want a prequel. The story had just ended. There were a million other places it could go. And then this movie comes out that does not progress the story Mm -hmm. past the first two seasons. And people were pissed. Because they knew there wasn't going to be any more Twin Peaks on TV for the most part. And then this movie comes out, and none of the cliffhangers or questions asked at the end of the show were addressed by this series. Yeah, by this exactly. movie, I mean. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah. Um, that's all of the the hate I've seen on this movie is just kind of, this asks more questions than it answers. And, like, with a huge cliffhanger that season two ended with, I would have definitely been upset Oh, I, had I, I been a too. fan of Twin Peaks and then gotten this, I would have been like, what happens? You know? Um, so, I guess to describe what happens, I mentioned Dale Cooper earlier. That is Kyle McLaughlin. Um, he is not a big part in Fire Walk With Me. And I have the reason why. Are you ready to hear it? I'm ready. Okay, so um, he was reluctant to return partially out of fear of being typecast. And then also, um, he was reluctant because of the decline in quality in the second season of the show, which I want to ask you about. Uh, but he said that David Lynch and Mark Frost, who is the other co-creator, um, he said they were only around for the first season. I think we all felt a little abandoned, so I was fairly resentful when the film Firewalk With Me came around. Um, and then... He agreed to be in the role or in the film, but 
said that he wanted a smaller role forcing David Lynch and co-writer Robert Ingalls to rewrite the screenplay more based on um, Laura Palmer and also Teresa Banks, the mentioned um, deceased person from, I don't know, they bring it up a couple times in the movie. But did you know about that? I didn't know about that. Yeah. It's obvious that he's got a smaller role, but I figured that was just by design. Because yeah, he pretty much um, only shows up at the very beginning and then at the very end. Exactly. And they said uh, he only worked five days on the film. And one of the people he shared a scene with, other than David Lynch, um, who I like, his character in Twin Peaks. Gordon Cole uh, is one of my favorites. Yeah. I just, um, I love how he yells. He can't hear anybody. He's just funny. Yeah. The scene other with him than, in the diner with Shelly is amazing. Oh, I love Shelly. She's so beautiful and awesome. Yeah. And I hate Leo Johnson. Oh, Leo's terrible. And you Bobby just... Briggs was a dick. <laughs> he was. He was. The Keyword whole time. Was. I... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know. I love Shelly. Me too. Um, speaking of Kyle McLaughlin, someone that he shared the screen with, and I kind of teased this on our Twitter, was David Bowie. Um, he was in Firewalk with me. And he also expressed disappointment with his role in the film. Um, he said, they crammed me. I did all my scenes in four or five days um, because I was in rehearsals for the 1991 Tin Machine tour. He said, I was only there a few days. Is pretty disappointing. Yeah. Which only David Lynch would bring David Bowie in. Yeah. In one scene. Exactly. Um, but yeah, the the part that he's in also doesn't really make sense. I think they touch on it in The Return. I could be wrong. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah. But like whenever you just watch the first two seasons of Twin Peaks and then watch this. None of the David no, Bowie like, why, or okay, what? Why is Dale he here? Cooper stuff. Yeah. Um, and then another cool cameo or guest spot that I noticed was Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, um, Kiefer Sutherland and Chris Isaac are the guys that are in... Uh, where is it they're at? Is it like Montana or something? It's not... They're not in Twin Peaks. We're in a different town. Yeah. I don't remember where exactly. Um, but that's more like a, a prologue where they talk about Teresa Banks. Um and like <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with the movie no and it's how it starts too so you're starting yeah. with these characters that you don't know mm-hmm. so the first like 15 20 minutes of the movie are just people you're completely unfamiliar with mm-hmm. but like i still thought it was awesome yeah i think um, it's a really cool scene he like he finds the ring and then just disappears yeah uh and then just real quick since i touched on uh mark frost he was kind of a missing figure in the fire walk with me production, um, the relationship between him and David Lynch had become strained during the second season. And so after the series had ended, Mark Frost went on to direct his own film Storyville. Um, I don't think I've ever heard of that. It had someone I knew in it, but I don't have it written down. Storyville. Yeah. From 1992. Um, and so since he was working on that, he said, Hey, screw it. I'm going to work with, or I'm going to work on my own thing. And Lynch can do firewalk. 
Only thing for Storyville I'm seeing is like a documentary series. Um, I got it pulled up from 1992. James Spader's in it. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, I had never heard of that. I'm surprised. Yeah, but the rest of his stuff, I didn't see him do anything other than he co-wrote both of the Fantastic Four movies from 2005 and 2007. No. Yeah. No, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Other talk than about that, a, I knew Talk about nothing. a nosedive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Twin Peaks to those movies. Um, yeah, he hasn't, like, done much. He helped out with the return, obviously. Um, but, yeah, that's all I found for him. That's surprising. He, him and David Lynch haven't done much since then. Wow. I yeah. think I think Mark Frost may have also written a couple of the Twin Peaks books. There's like the secret history of Twin Peaks, which talks of it's I, like case files. <laughs> it talks about different things that have happened. It, I didn't know that there were Twin Peaks books. Yeah, there is also the secret diary, diary of Laura Palmer, so you can get her diary. I'm, I don't care about that. Yeah. We'll we'll t- I guess we can go into that. Between uh for Fire Walk with me. I don't really care about the Laura Palmer stuff. I want Dale Cooper. Yeah. Um, but with what this... <laughs> Sorry, I just <laughs> saw one of my notes. I'm just gonna... The dialogue in this movie is weird. I think Laura Palmer... She's very traumatized because of abuse going on by Bob... Um, who's just like the personification of evil. And so a lot of her scenes, she's like crying, sobbing, hysterical. And she's talking to, to James Hurley, um, <laughs> the guy she's cheating on Bobby Briggs with. Yeah. And there's like some music playing. It's emotional. It's like a very tense moment. And then um, she says, like a turkey in the corn. James Hurley replies and says, a turkey is one of the dumbest birds on earth. And then she replies with gobble, gobble, gobble. And then they just start making out. That's a real line from the movie. I was. (laughs) I could hear. What does that mean? That's something I could hear David Lynch saying in like an interview (laughs) and not elaborating on. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I guess it fits, but. That's one thing with Twin Peaks. The people are just so weird. And the things they yeah. say don't make any sense sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But you go um, along with it. Exactly. And even like, so season two, like I said, like um, people were upset at the declining performance. And I think there is a lull when it comes to James Hurley. Like he goes to that one like lady's house and starts having sex with her. Yeah, he rides off on his motorcycle and just yeah, has his little like, trip. D- and Donna's there freaking out. I hate Donna. Um, other than they recast her for this movie, and I was cool with it. Yeah, I was um, cool with it, too. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of Donna. Um, but I was kind of expecting, whenever I watched The Return, like, I wasn't expecting that how excited I was to see every character. Like, I didn't really care about James Hurley, especially after season two. Um, and then The Return happened, and, like, he doesn't have as big of a part. James was always But every cool. time he is yeah, every time he's on there, I was just like, this guy's awesome. And yeah, they're talking about oh wait, the guy in the return with the freaking glove on his hand? Yeah, Freddy. 
That's also something never explained. Yeah, it just was there. He had apparently talked to the fireman and got his glove, and he has to leave it on. He can't take it off. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place. I'm just it's looking hard, at my notes. It's hard not and... to, because the series yeah. and the movie and the return, they all relate to each other in so many ways that it just kind of keeps clicking on to different things. Exactly. So I think one thing we can do here is talk about... I guess there's two sides of Twin Peaks. Um, there's the soap opera one, and then there's the sci-fi one that's even more touched on in the series, and I guess not as much in this. Um, so I guess we'll just focus on the soap opera stuff for now. Works for me. Um, and yeah, like we said, this kind of circles around Laura Palmer. And to give a description of her, she's like the high school homecoming queen um she's dating bobby briggs the athlete they are you find out in this i don't know if you found out in the series um that they are like drug runners i guess um so they got a little shady side of them and laura palmer is being raped by a guy named bob who crawls in her window at night is do you think that's a good description? <laughs> yeah, I think that works. <laughs> yeah. Um do you know how Bob came about? Have you heard the story behind that production wise? Or um how the actor who played Bob came about? I have, but I want to hear you tell. He was like a production assistant. Like he was like a boom mic guy or something and he showed yeah. up in a reflection on accident. Mhm. And David Lynch saw it and was like, "You know what? That guy's perfect." So that's <laughs> yeah. how Frank Silva got to be Bob and I can't imagine anyone else playing Bob. Because no. just his face and the hair and everything, it's its perfect. He's a exactly. creepy looking dude. And in The Return, I guess they have someone else kind of that he, that Bob takes over, um, a new host. I'm not going to spoil it. I didn't like that as much um, because it was less creepy to me because it's not Frank Silva yeah. as Bob with the long gray hair and the jean jacket. Um, yeah, Bob is, like I said, the personification of evil. Um, and I would say to um, counter that, we have Dale Cooper, who we've kind of touched on, said that he's not in this much. Um, but in regards to the show, he's pretty much the exact opposite. Like, he is pure good. Um yeah, I, yeah, I guess they're just the antithesis of each He's other. He's given, like, very few flaws at all, which yeah. usually for a main character would not work. But whenever mm -hmm. you're dealing with absolute evil, absolute good yeah. fits. And also, like, there's so many characters that, like, so many iconic characters um, that are the heroes in their movies, and they all have flaws. Dale Cooper doesn't have many, and, like, you don't think it would work. But, like, you just root for him. You love him. Like, I want to be like Dale Cooper. Just be happy. It makes everyone else happier. He knows when to, like, confront someone. He knows what to say. Uh, he's so refreshing to watch, even though, like, there's not not a lot for him to improve on. Yeah. I guess. He's a great character. And, like, he doesn't really have much of a trajectory or, like, character evolution. Yeah. Because he's the same guy that you saw at the very beginning. He just is Dale Cooper, and he comes to Twin Peaks 
and just meets these people and it's like they imprint on him because he's learning from them and they're learning from him but mm-hmm. he doesn't really change yeah um and i think like if someone's just listening to this and they hear us saying like oh he doesn't really develop over the course of the series that might sound like a bad thing but i it's like intentionally written to where he doesn't i think it's a bad thing whenever you just write a movie and don't focus on the characters, but this is focused on him and him still being the same person. Um, so I just think that's a thing that needs to be noted. Yeah, I think there's enough dynamic with the other characters that him not changing doesn't detract from the story. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess that the other people to talk about are... Leland and I can't remember the mom's name. Uh, Sarah. Leland and Sarah. Uh, those are Laura Palmer's parents. Um, the in the first episode, when they find out their daughter has died, it is so rough to watch. Um, because you know, like they're just like the mom's like oh i can't find laura what's happening and then she calls her husband like hey have you seen laura he's like no and then she's like the husband on the phone is like sheriff truman and then he like walks up to him and then the sarah's just freaking out on the other side of the phone like why did you say sheriff or sheriff truman like what does that mean and then it's like yeah your daughter's dead and so I don't know. It just sucks watching that. Yeah. I'm sad thinking about the, it. Like you said, the emotions are all turned up to ten, and that includes sadness and anger because yeah. the like crying in this series, <sighs> the screaming in this series, specifically Cheryl Lee's screaming as Laura Palmer in Firewalk with Me. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. Yeah. But yeah, that scene is rough. It is. Very rough. Um, and another, I think, rough scene in Fire Walk With Me is their dinner scene. Like, she comes home and oh, yeah. Leland <laughs> is like, you can tell she's scared of her father um, and that there's some underlying abuse. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, did you wash or you didn't wash your hands for dinner? And then he goes and like grabs her hands and she's just like sobbing and the mom is sitting there. Just like, Leland, leave her alone. Because she's scared, too. Yeah, she um, she's too scared to interfere. Yeah. Because she knows that something's wrong. And I think it's interesting in that scene where he specifically says that she didn't wash under her fingernails. Yes. With what exactly. we learn early on in the series. And, yeah. Um, fingernails. Yep. Play a part in it. I don't... I guess don't want to spoil it. He even, like, grabs a specific finger. Yeah. And like, there's... Um, but I guess essentially something we should talk about. I guess we'll talk about Leland. I don't want to talk all the way about him. So I'm going to bring it up. And if you think we don't need to talk about this, okay. I can just edit it out. Um, but he has been sleeping around with younger women, uh, specifically Teresa Banks, who we know is dead um, because we see her dead body in the prologue. And then throughout the movie, it's Leland and her like laying in a bed together. So, you know, Leland might've had something to do with it. I don't remember if it goes into it or not. Um, but 
at one point he's like, hey, let's hang out with you and your friends and like have an orgy or whatever. And she's like, okay, we'll do that. And then he shows up and it's his daughter is one of the girls. And so he sneaks away before she can see him. And I don't really know what, like how to frame that as important, but I definitely, like, that definitely clicked something in Leland's mind. Like, I don't know if he thought, oh, I shouldn't be doing stuff like this. Like, this could be my daughter. Or if he thought differently and more um, devilishly, like, this could be my daughter. I don't know. Yeah, like, what do you think? I'm not sure either. With Leland, you can always kind of tell... Um, Ray Wise is a very good actor, and you can kind yes. of tell whenever that switch flips, because his yeah. face will just totally change. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. And it happens a lot throughout the series and in this movie, too. And I don't want to say too, too, too much. He's bipolar, yes. is pretty much how I would Basically, describe that's it. a very good way to describe it, without saying <laughs> yeah. too much. But yeah, he you get a lot more of him in Firewalk With Me, too. Because... Mm-hmm. Um, in the series, for the most part, he's kind of just the dad. Yeah. And he, he likes to sing and dance around at dinner and <laughs> do all kinds of weird stuff like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's very weird when um, he he spends a lot of time, him and his wife, just mourning the loss of their daughter. And then something clicks in him and his hair is dyed gray. I forgot about and, that. Yeah. And he just shows up to work. He's dancing, he's singing, and then everyone's just like, "Yeah, okay, he's he's good now." And it's like, "Is he though?" <laughs> no, he's much worse than ever <laughs> no. before. Yeah. Um so Leland is incredible like in this and in Twin Peaks. I don't think Laura Palmer is as good. Like she's no Ray Wise, the actress is no Ray Wise, yeah. but um I don't know. I just wanted to bring up Leland and just speak on just like how good he is in this movie and a little bit more about his character and something with the mom. I don't know why this stuck out to me both times I watched it, but the mom, she's laying in bed reading and the book she is reading is How to Speak German. Hmm. And I don't know why, but both times it always stuck out to me. Because, like we hinted at, um, you can tell that like their family is afraid of Leland and that there's some abuse there. And so I didn't know if that like was chosen for, you know, like Germany, Nazis, that type of stuff. And she's reading that. I don't like I feel like there's a connection there. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just something David Lynch or someone did was like, oh, read this for some reason. Or if it's like she is reading that because of the, I guess, like strictness that some Germans are known for or whatever. Um, And like she's used to that. What do you think? I don't. That's a good question. I don't think anything is done unintentionally. Exactly. So I think there's meaning behind everything. So there's a reason mm-hmm. that, that book was chosen, but I don't know. Yeah, and it's like very obvious because she like opens it up and it just says like how to speak German or something. And so I don't know, both times it definitely stuck One out. One thing that's really interesting about that though, and it makes me wonder how far back his planning goes for certain things, is um 
In Inland Empire, Grace Zabriskie, who plays Sarah Palmer, she plays a character who's Polish. Okay. That's weird. So I wonder if there's a link there. Yeah. I don't know. I definitely feel like... <laughs> I definitely feel <laughs> like David a lot of Lynch weird connections. has all this stuff um, planned out, but... I guess there's no way to know. Like, even when people ask him what his movies are about, he won't answer. Yeah, he will um, never say. Which is honestly a lot of, good, I yeah, think. I do, too. Um, a lot of people hate ambiguity. I, for one, welcome it. Um, just because it makes it makes my brain work harder, I guess. Um, and I get to use some, like, deductive reasoning and try to figure everything out. Um, just makes it more fun. Yeah, not everything needs a perfectly wrapped up ending that's exactly. easily digestible. Like it, it doesn't need to be that way. Especially with a story like this, it wouldn't feel right if there was just a nice bow tied on at the end of his movies. Yeah, um, definitely not. And especially after season two, like the huge cliffhanger that we talked about, I guess that's something that people should have seen coming. Is like. He, he doesn't explain or wrap up anything. So if you were just expecting, like, you know, a sequel to the the series and it to just wrap everything up, that probably wasn't going to happen. Yeah, if you're watching a David Lynch movie and you expect the answers at the end, you've not been paying attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, again, this is... Less talking about the movie, more the podcast. Um, we, when I talked to you, I said I kind of wanted this to be more like a, a book club, but for movies, I know people do that. Um, to where if people are interested in getting deeper into film, to watch the movies we talk about. Um, and I guess that's just like a summary of David Lynch is one word we've said, almost every sentence is weird. Yeah. Um, and just like nothing's going to be explained to you. It's not going to get wrapped up. You just have to go in and like his movies are an experience. It's not you're not really watching for, I guess, the entertainment value, but more for the experience and the art. So um, if that interests you, then David Lynch might be your thing. If not, then, hey, tune in for the next one, I guess. And and honestly, like you said, it's an experience and you almost can't even really spoil his movies. Yeah, it's not like a Marvel movie where you can say, "Oh, in Infinity War, everybody dies." Yeah. Oh, wait, they do. <laughs> oh, oh my <laughs> God, sorry, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, it's not like that because even if you do hear specific things that happen, mm-hmm. whatever you imagine in your head for that is not what you're going to see on screen. Exactly, because like, you cannot like <laughs> think up what it is you're going to see watching one of these movies because it's just so out there. Yeah, and I feel like. We're kind of contradicting that with saying, like, hey, we don't want to spoil Twin Peaks or whatever. Yeah, but, but I, I there don't want to so... if we don't have to, you know, because people... Exactly. And with it being a TV show, if you watch for however many hours and you know what's coming, that's no fun. Yeah. Um. So, like, we will spoil the prequel part, I guess, like, what we've talked about so far. Um. But, like, if you're going to watch Twin Peaks, just dive into it, like... I don't don't look up stuff. I don't want to say anything to spoil it. Like I've been telling my friends that I've been watching Twin Peaks. I'm like, yeah. If I think it's something they like, I'm like, yeah, you should check it out. It's on Netflix. Um, but I won't go. Like they're like, oh, what is it? 
you just have to watch him find out. Like, yeah, it's it, not only is it too hard to describe, but like, I don't want people going into like David Lynch stuff with expectations other than to have no expectation. Exactly. I agree. You got to just dive in. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Is there anything specifically about the story in fire walk with me that you still want to touch on? Because again, like, I don't want to spoil too much for people. Um, but if you have any ideas like that, you want to say spill? It. Yeah, specifically spill the beans. Specifically story wise, I think I'm good to move on. I don't want right. to. I don't want to risk giving anything away. Exactly. Um, and I I really liked this process that we're going with. So I think this is something we'll stay with. Is mostly talk about the topic in general and how this movie relates to that topic. And do less of just a plot overview. Um, we, I think we are giving enough information to be like, hey, if you've seen this, you know what we're talking about. If not, this might in- entice you. Um, so one thing I will touch on is kind of the feedback that this, that this movie got. Um, Roger Ebert listener of the show as i mistakenly said who has passed away um i'll never forget that because it's so embarrassing um but roger ebert he said this film was met with two extremes one side being overall positive while the other side being the exact opposite and i think he actually liked this movie um i couldn't find like his specific review for it but that was like all he said whenever he went to um, con and watched it there is he's just like, yeah, there were two extremes. One was overall positive. The other was the exact opposite. Um, and then Quentin Tarantino, who is also in attendance, said that after he saw Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, uh, David Lynch had disappeared so far up his own ass that I had no desire to see another David Lynch movie until I hear something different. And you know, I loved him. I really loved him. So, Tarantino was not a fan. Yeah. I I feel like whenever it first premiered, it's kind of set itself up for failure when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Because it's at a film festival. You're showing it publicly. Not everybody who's going to be watching it has seen Twin Peaks. Yeah. And if you've not seen Twin Peaks, it's going to just be garbage, honestly. Like, yeah, you're not going to understand exactly. anything. That's very true. Um, I think a movie like this and Twin Peaks would do so well if they came out now because of streaming and how everything's just available. Um, Like Twin Peaks, there were only two seasons and then it got canceled because no one was watching it. Yeah. The people that were watching it loved it. It was a huge phenomenon. Yeah. And in 1990, I assume ways to share um, like your enjoyment for twin peaks with your friends and stuff like that was a lot harder um i don't know i was not alive i was about to say i was dead but i i don't think that's how that works <laughs> I, um, I was not alive at that time either but yeah now yeah. with social media i mean you can see people talking about shows or movies all the time and i guarantee you yeah. if twin peaks came out in the form it did then now mm-hmm. there'd be hashtag bring back twin peaks Exactly. And it'd be huge, um, and they'd probably bring it back. Yeah, and even like with Fire Walk With Me, you wouldn't have to premiere it at a festival. You could literally 
throw it on Showtime, I think owns it now yeah. or whatever. Throw it on Showtime and just premiere it on there. Um, and then everyone who watches it will have a greater response to it because they're not just going in blind. Yeah, exactly. Because if you're at con, you're not going to con to watch Fire Walk with me. You're going because it's con. Um, but yeah, I guess that's all I had on like the feedback it got. We aren't really going to do like Rotten Tomatoes stuff anymore, but it got like a 64% or something. Um, and I guess the only other thing to speak on is like, this is in the criterion collection. So that's saying something they thought it was important enough to throw it in here. I feel like they're cheating kind of like we are is like, this is how we talk about twin peaks. This is how they throw twin peaks in criterion collection. They just throw fire walk with me. Yeah. Yeah, uh, if anybody at the Criterion Collection is listening, I would buy a full series box set from you, even though I already own the first two seasons, <laughs> Firewalk With Me, and The Return all separately. I would spend whatever you charge for a no. full Criterion Twin Peaks box set, so do it, please. Oh, same. They have, like, the <laughs> Ingmar Bergman one for $300. That one's tempting. If it was Twin Peaks for $300, I'd buy it. Oh, I would, too. Like, I would, too. Oh, easy. That'd um, be awesome. I know they don't have you seen... TV, but man, that'd yeah, be cool. Exactly. Um, have you seen the, I can't remember what it's called. It's like Twin Peaks, the missing something. The missing it's like pieces? the leftover. I have not. Yeah, it's, I have not. I haven't either. So from what I read is it's leftover footage from Fire Walk With Me, um, but it's all the other characters. So it's more oh, cool. Dale Cooper. It's more Big Ed. It's more Shelly. Um, so now that I know that, I definitely want to check it out. Yeah, I knew of it, but I didn't really know what it was. Now that I Same. know that it's kind of like made up of those other characters, it makes me want to watch it more. Same. And my problem is like I love director's cuts and stuff, but if you give me a movie and then like as special features as deleted scenes, I probably won't like it as much. But like if they would release a jumbo fire walk with me with all that shit in there, oh, I would love Same it. Here. I'd be all in. I'd be more apt to watch that, especially if they had it all in order, you know, and it made yeah. sense. Exactly. Oh, as much as it could make sense with it being yeah. David Lynch. But yeah, <laughs> That's I'm, true. I'm more prone to watching it as one big four-hour cut than I would be to watch the movie and be like, all right, let's watch an hour and a half of deleted scenes. Yeah, same. Um, but, I mean, I still got to check it out just because it's Twin Peaks. And now that I know what it is, I'm very intrigued. Um I guess that's probably all I have. Do you have anything else like Twin Peaks, Firewalk with Me, or David Lynch you want to talk about? Um, I mean, there's a lot to say about The Return, but I feel like we should wait on that. Yeah. Um, gosh, The Return is so good. It it takes a very long time for the moment everybody wants, but oh, when man. it happens... I know exactly what oh, you're talking about. and it's, Yeah, exactly. It's not my favorite moment from The Return. <laughs> But it's okay. it's up there. My um, favorite moment from the return actually ties in Fire Walk with me. Can you say what it is on this or not? I don't think I can. I guess we can talk about what we're going into next week or not next week. Next, who knows? Yeah, how long. next time. Um, next time. Yeah. So that's another thing. I don't know if people, everyone listened to the last episode, but um, we're definitely doing more time in between them. 
And it's kind of like this is we picked, hey, David Lynch. And then it's watch whatever we can. And once we feel ready, we'll record something. So next up, do you want to talk about it? Do you want me to talk about it? I don't care. Um, I can go ahead and say what we're going to do. Okay. We are going to talk about movies that are based off Lovecraftian themes and horror. Yeah. And we're going to focus on The Lighthouse. Exactly. Um, which The Lighthouse is pretty similar to um, the other A24 movies we talked about with Midsummer and um, Hereditary. But I'm very excited to focus on the Lovecraftian themes, like you said. Um, for those who don't know, H.P. Lovecraft is a sci-fi writer. Um, he's mostly known for creating Cthulhu. Um, and so we're going to speak on The Lighthouse and Color Out of Space featuring Nicolas Cage, which is a recent release. I'm extremely um, excited to see that. I've yeah, heard nothing I'm but excited good things. To watch it. Yeah, and then other stuff that Lovecraft has done is, like, The Reanimator, um, which is a cult classic, I guess. Um, and then I have a couple others that I just bought, because I looked up, you know, Lovecraft stuff whenever we first talked about it, then just went to Entertain Mart and just grabbed whatever I could. So The Void is one that I'm going to watch, and then Cthulhu Mansion. I just bought those blind. I have no idea what to expect, um, but I'll let you know and see if you want to watch them. Hey, and if, if, if you watch them, I'll watch them. Okay, there we go. Um, and yeah, if anyone's listening, then check some of those that we named out so that you can be prepared. And yeah, that's all I got. What about you? I, I don't think I have that much else to say other than just if you haven't watched Twin Peaks... And you think it sounds cool, you should definitely check it out. Exactly. And if you want to tune in next time, be sure you kind of listen to those, not recommendations yet, but movies we're checking out so you can kind of follow along with us. Yeah, it'll be fun. And one disclaimer I will have for Twin Peaks is I'd give it three episodes if you're going to watch it. um, Because I think I remember watching in like the third episode is where I got hooked because that's when it started getting weirder. So give it three episodes, see if you like it. If not, I understand. But hey, you're lost. You suck. <laughs> yeah, if, <laughs> if you're not into it after three episodes, I'd say you're probably not going to get into it. Yeah. Um, so cool. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Kane, it's been, it's so great having a co-host on. And I couldn't think of anyone more qualified. Thank you very much. As always, it feels great to be here. And I'm excited to see and uh, do what we do next. Exactly. So, oh, I got to give out the informations. So on Twitter, you guys can find us at CinefitsPod. Um, and then you can send me an email at friendswithcinefits at gmail.com. And... We are on the webs at notabombpodcast.com. Um, check out the Not A Bomb podcast. Kane, have you listened to Not A Bomb? I'm putting you on the spot. I have not yet. I need to. Okay. Now that, yeah, now that I'm part of the family, I got to check them out. Exactly. Um, but yeah, they're pretty awesome. They're talking about, they talk about movies that bombed. Um, they have gotten me to watch a lot more bad movies than I care for, but Hey, what can you do? 
Um, if you want to check one out that I've been on is sort of a familiarity. I'm thinking of a Venn diagram. <laughs> it's their podcast, our podcast, and then the one in the middle. Um, we did ready to rumble, which is about the wrestling movie from the WCW. Um, yeah, check it out. It is a lot of fun and there's some great guys. And yeah, do you want to say whatever? I know you already did your um, your website, but you can talk about your band, whatever. Yeah, um, I've got want. I've got my band, A Modest Proposal. We are available on Spotify, Apple Music, pretty much anywhere online you listen to music. And my review site is shotreverseshotfilm.com. You can check out my reviews of recent movies there. I try to do them as often as I see new release movies. There Which you hasn't go. been um, super often with COVID, but, you know. Exactly. Uh, so, I did want to tell you, I had my roommate check out your band, because he's also in a band. He's a musician. Oh, cool. He said, he said you guys are really good. He's oh, very impressed. Oh, awesome. Tell him I appreciate yeah. that a lot. What's what's his band called? Promote his band. Uh, you know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I'll, I'll send you a link to cool. his. Cool. Will do. I'll um, check it out. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and... Also, if you ever want to do like just a, an audio version of one of your reviews, um, you can do that and we can throw it on here and it'll come to people's feeds like this. And we'll just say like, hey, Kane's Corner or something like Absolutely. that. I've thought about just doing like a tr- like a audio transcript of my reviews so I can put them up yeah. or do a video for YouTube or whatever. So I would definitely. Awesome. So, yeah, we got some things in the work and everybody, thank you for being patient during our hiatus but i definitely have valued the time to watch more david lynch movies yeah it's definitely nice to have time to kind of dive in more than just watching one movie and hyper focusing on it i think it's better to have a bit of a spectrum to go off of kind of pull from different areas so thank you everybody for listening i'm glad to be here as co-host for my first episode and i can't wait to come back yep and i'm glad you're here and if anyone else is still listening um if you have any advice or any feedback on how this co-host thing's going or how this new format worked, um, send it to me, friendswithcinefits at gmail.com. I'd love to hear some feedback on how we can improve. Same for but me. Thanks, yep, we don't thanks bite, for listening. Tell us what you think. Exa- well, I bite, but <laughs> Kane doesn't bite. It'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for listening, everybody, and tune in next time. Bye. Bye.